Heavenly Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll move on this listener right now in your gentle, loving, powerful, and merciful way as they listen to this message from All Nations Church in Tallahassee. Amen. Today we're talking about woke or awake. This is the fifth message in the series. And we're talking to you about the wolf of wokeism today. The dangers that are so prevalent in our culture, in our society, that affected every institution that we know and have always held dear. From our federal and state governments to the educational system at every level, even to the religious system. It's affected every single aspect of it. So I want to start this morning by reading a text from Matthew chapter 7, verse 15, and then Matthew 18, verse 6. Jesus said, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. Remember that, they are ferocious wolves. They come in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. You know what that tells us? That tells us that we need to be so tuned into Holy Spirit that we see and understand the motivation behind the actions of people today. That's what the gift of discerning of spirits is all about. It shows you the motivation. It shows you who is causing that action or that behavior to occur. Then Jesus said in Matthew chapter 18, verse 6, If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, did you catch that? These little ones, those who believe in me, Little ones applies to you and I as well. Not just to children, although it certainly does apply to children, but it applies to the disciples of Jesus Christ. If anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble. Now catch this, it's a strong, strong statement. It would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Wow. Wow. He's saying that that end would be better than the end that's already reserved for them. I want that to sink in for just a moment. And I want you to recognize how serious this message is and how life-changing it can be if we listen and if we apply it. So today we're going to talk about the wolf of wokeism. And I want you to understand we have to learn to fight that wolf off. And yes, we are in a fight. Yes, we're in a battle. And that fight and that battle very often is for the very soul of our children and those who follow after us, our grandchildren. We need to understand this wolf is very cunning. He's smart. He's stalking not just you and I, but more importantly, he's stalking families. I don't have time to go through the history of how we got here in America but it started in 1964 when prayer was removed from schools because it was offensive. Yet think about this. Drag queen shows are being given to elementary age kids and that's not offensive? Our world is so upside down. Wokeism is so invaded. So many lives, so many minds that we as a society no longer see truth from error. And it doesn't matter this morning if you're a single parent, a single mom, or a single dad. If you're in a blended family, or if you're in a nuclear family. It doesn't matter if your parents or grandparents, aunts or uncles, doctors or teachers or lawyers, anyone who has influence over children needs to hear and heed this message. 
because we are fighting the wolf of wokeism. Yet we look around us, it's almost as though our society is sleepwalking, going through the actions, but not really alert, not awake. That's why this message, this series is entitled, Woke or Awake, because many are sleepwalking. Now be honest with me, anyone here ever sleepwalk? My hand's not up because I haven't. Anyone here ever done that? Ever had a family member that's done that, a friend that's done that? Yeah, there's a few of you. It's kind of really, really weird, isn't it? I remember the first time I encountered a sleepwalker. I was on a mission trip. I had about 18 or 19 people with me. We were building a church in Mexico. We were staying in a motel. And all of a sudden, about 2 o'clock in the morning, I hear somebody jiggling my door. I thought, what in the world is going on? So I grabbed my four-battery mag light that I carry with me on every missions trip and opened the door. And I looked at a face that I knew. It was one of our guys. He was sleepwalking. He and his brother were sharing a room, and somehow he got out, and he had been walking around the courtyard of this motel. But the crazy thing is, he was stark naked, walking around that courtyard. And I'm thinking, dude, if you only knew, you would be so embarrassed. I took him tentatively, you have to watch what you touch, by the arm, beat on the door of his brother's room and said, wake up and get your brother. And then I told him, and from now on, put your bed in front of that door so he can't climb across it and make sure he wears some clothes. I was traumatized, as you can imagine. <laughs> Sleepwalkers, they have direction. They can even sometimes perform normal routines and normal duties without ever being awake, without ever realizing what they're doing. And so many times, parents, grandparents, teachers are the same way, walking around through this most critical stage of life with your children as though sleepwalking, walking around like a bunch of zombies. May I tell you, it's time for parents to wake up. <clears throat> it's not the child's responsibility to know right from wrong, it's your responsibility to teach them right from wrong. It's your responsibility to help them see and understand the things of God and then live their life according to his will. Jesus said that he is the good shepherd. We apply that same analogy to parents. We are shepherds. It's our responsibility to shepherd our children. When you study the shepherds of old and even yet today, you notice they carry a staff. And that staff is for direction. That staff is for discipline and correction. And we need to understand those things have to be a part of our makeup as parents. You can't just have a child and let them grow up like they want. That's the problem today. Too many parents want to be buddies and best friends rather than being parents. I'm here to tell you today, your child doesn't need a buddy. They don't need a best friend. They have plenty of those. They need a parent. Someone to set direction, administer discipline when they're off course and bring them back to where they need to be. Parenting isn't easy. It's not for sissies. It's tough stuff. And that's why so many fail in their duty. 
Parenting first begins with an understanding that you are the parent and they are the child. How many times have you heard me say that over the years? I've said to our parents here, I don't care if your teenager doesn't want to come to church. Get them up and make them come. You're the parent, they're the child. Be parents. Function in that role. Because if you don't, I assure you, the wolf will devour them. I want to give you just a couple of things that parents need to know. First, if you're going to fight wokeism, you need to know your role and know your goal. What are you about and how are you going to get there? There's a lot of different, different definitions that put giving about parenthood or parenting. So many different ones. But just remember this. Family is God-created, God-initiated, God-instigated. And that's what God wants us to operate from, from his definition of parenting. So what is parenting from a biblical definition? Parenting simply is teaching and training your kids to leave. You say, oh, I can't believe you said that. Listen, from the time my kids were old enough to tell me no, to push back against the rules, I begin telling them, I'm training you, I'm teaching you to leave. You're not going to live here every day, and I'm trying to instruct you in such a way so when you are ready to leave, you have a foundation, you have a moral compass, you understand right from wrong, you understand loving God and serving God rather than doing what you choose to do. That's what parents do. Parents don't allow their home to become a place of wild rebellion. They bring it under control. Parenting is teaching and training your kids to leave. And some of you need to hear this. Spouses stay, kids leave. Spouses stay, kids leave. One of the biggest problems we have in America today is that we place so much preeminence, time and effort on the children that we destroy the marital bond. And when the nest is empty, then we're empty and we have nowhere to turn and no one to enjoy life with. Parent, excuse me, spouses stay, children leave. Don't ever forget that. We need to teach our kids to leave and in leaving, loving the Lord God with all their hearts. This definition of parenting is based on four different scriptures. Deuteronomy chapter 6 tells us it's teaching. Proverbs 22 tells us it's training. Genesis 2 tells us it's leaving. Matthew 22 tells us it's loving the Lord with all your heart. That's all on your outline, but you can write it down if it makes you feel better and helps you to learn better. It's a major role for parents to do these things. It's not minor, and you have to be willing to protect those sheep that are under your charge, protecting them from the wolf. Have you ever taken your kids to the zoo? Now, understand my perspective. I grew out, out, up out in the middle of nowhere. I knew there were such things as zoos, but I'd never been to one. Had no desire to go to one until my kids were, you know, probably three, four, five years old, something like that. And they wanted to go to the zoo. I'll remember the first time I took my kids to the zoo. I lived in Springfield, Missouri. I was in Bible college at the time. Had Chris and Mindy, the two oldest ones. And we went to the zoo, and we're walking past the chimpanzees, and Chris is a natural ape himself. If you don't know it, uh, he, he really is. And he starts mimicking the chimpanzees, you know, doing the sounds and scratching under his arms and doing all this kind of stuff, mimicking them. 
Well, what we didn't know and what I didn't know and what he didn't know was chimpanzees don't really like that. And they express their displeasure by picking up their poop and chunking it at you. And it was in a split second, he and I are covered with monkey manure. And I learned real quick, the zoo is not where I want to go. Never seen an animal do that in my life. And I thought, man, those, those primates are absolutely disgusting. Don't want to go to the zoo. And then a few years ago, I think Hudson, our second oldest grandson, was maybe four. And uh, Matt and Mindy wanted to go to the zoo in San Antonio where they're visiting. So we went to the zoo. And I'm, whoopee, we're going to the zoo. I can't wait. We're going to the zoo. We're going to go see caged animals. Stay away from the chimpanzees. Never forgot that. It's a lesson you need to remember, too, when you take your children and grandchildren. Stay away from the chimpanzees. Make sure someone's between you and them every time. So we're walking through this birdhouse, which it stinks. I don't like being in there. And there's some ducks sitting over here, mallard ducks. And Hudson, there was a little bitty three-foot wall. He wanted to walk on top of it, so I'd set him up there. I had his hand. We were walking through the birdhouse. And all of a sudden, one of those mallard ducks reached out and pecked him right under the eye. It was time for duck soup, you know what I mean? That isn't going to fly. And I thought, you know, I've been to the zoo twice in my life. Both were bad experiences. That's it. I never need to go back. Ever. So when we think about those kind of things, we recognize that too often it's like taking our kids to the zoo and turning them loose. Oh, why don't you go play in the lion cage? They probably won't eat you. They were probably fed already today. Why don't you crawl in and swing with the apes? They probably won't harm you. But that's what we do as parents. We turn our kids loose in the zoo of life to figure it out for themselves. We let them release our hand and go on their own will and volition. Folks, I'm here to tell you today, as parents in this day, in this age, in this society, you can't let them go. You've got to hang on to them. You've got to direct them. You've got to instruct them. You've got to discipline them. Otherwise, they'll find danger to the left and right. It's like saying to uh, the peewee football team, hey, why don't you guys go work out in the lion cage? Have a game there, a scrimmage. We would never do that. Yet we do it with our kids' soul every single by allowing them, I didn't plan to say this, but I need to. By allowing them to determine their own destiny, to determine what gender they are when they're five years old, to determine that God and everybody else somehow made a mistake. Listen, it's not the kid's fault, it's the parent's fault. That kid doesn't have the brain power to make those decisions by himself. It's the parent's fault when that kind of stuff goes wrong. And it's time for parents to step up and take responsibility. Even beyond that, we see kids acting out, being so disillusioned, disappointed when they don't get this office or that office, when they're not, uh, when they're not class precedent, when they're not the quarterback on the football team, which usually 99% of the time they aren't even good enough to be on the football team, and they're upset they're not the quarterback. You say, don't go down that road again. Yeah, I know, I already went down it about four weeks ago. You can play that tape and hear it. 
And we wonder, why do they act like that? Where do you think they learned it? From us. I didn't get the promotion, and I deserved it. They gave it to somebody else. It's just not fair, and it's not right, and I'm going to whine and complain about it until somebody changes it. The only thing that's going to change is you're going to get fired. Come on, they learn behaviors from you and me because we model behaviors in front of them. We as parents have to be very careful. Grandparents have to be very careful what behaviors we model. I've told you many times that I was not a good kid. I did a lot of things that, looking back, I'm certainly not proud of. And I made a rule for myself when the kids started growing up that I would never tell them stories that led to rebellion or spoke of rebellion in my childhood and teenage years. Never. Not once. Now that they're adults, I'll tell them a few of them, but I don't tell my grandkids. Because I don't want them emulating bad behavior. Come on, folks, you need to hear it. I've seen too many parents brag about, oh yeah, we used to knock back this many beers every Friday night and we were so drunk we couldn't even drive. What do you think you're saying to your children? You're saying it's okay for you to do the same. We model behavior before them. We have to understand that's our role, that's our responsibility. When I think about the wolf of wokeism, he wants to make everything about the color of your skin, about race. Did you know race is not mentioned one time in the word of God? Not one time. And there is only one race that God created. That's the human race, you and me. The color of our skin is irrelevant. It doesn't matter. You're a human being. Act like a human being. Treat each other the way we should be treated. Otherwise, the blood of Abel will be crying from the ground. Mark my word. See, wokeism wants to make everything about race. Wokeism wants to make everything about body parts and how we use those body parts. I saw a picture this past week of a man, pardon me, let me rephrase that, of a woman who thinks she's a man pregnant. And her statement was, see, men can get pregnant. Do you see how stupid that is? How ridiculous that is? That's absolutely mind-boggling that people really believe that nonsense. And it's happened because over years and generations, we have allowed the wolf to destroy moral compasses. We have allowed the wolf to destroy truth. And we've said, well, whatever's true to you is true to you, and that's all okay. Do you know what wokeism does? Wokeism dumbs people down to the point they're willing to believe the most absurd, ridiculous things that are against biology, against science, against everything that we've ever been taught and ever known. Can I just say math isn't racist? People are racist. People are racist. And for someone to say it's racist to say that two, by, two plus two equals four is not racist, it's idiotic. Idiotic. As parents, grandparents, we have to understand our role. And our main goal is to teach and to train our children to leave and to love the Lord with all their hearts and with all their soul. 
I've already said it, I'll say it again. They don't need a friend or a buddy. They need parents. Now, let me qualify that. There will come a time as those children age and become adults and move through adulthood that they do become friends. And it's a great thing to enjoy. But that only happens when you were the parent when they were growing up. It only happens that way. They'll never be your friend otherwise. So we look at the scripture and we realize that in Deuteronomy, Moses is actually addressing wokeism. In the previous chapters, chapters 4 and 5, Israel had disobeyed God. Israel had returned to idolatry. Israel was looking to the right and to the left, but they weren't looking to God. They'd taken their eyes off God. That's what wokeism does. It takes your eyes off God and puts it on your surroundings, puts it on your culture, puts it on the things that make you feel good. Read it in Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 and 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Anytime we take our eyes off God and something sits in its place, it's idolatry. It's idolatry. That goes for anything in life. Anything that we value more, prize more, put in a higher position than God is idolatry. And that's wokeism at its root. So, well, I'm not woke. Well, let's talk about college football. Let's talk about college basketball. And I will talk about that because our grandson does play and we're going tomorrow night for his first game. I love it. But it's not my idol. Connor Dow is my hero, but he's not my idol. We've got a place we recognize those things. Basically, what Moses is saying in Deuteronomy in this passage, he's saying you've got to talk the talk and walk the walk. You've got to walk the walk and talk the talk. You've got to talk the talk and talk the talk and walk the walk and walk the walk. That's what he's saying. Parents, that's our responsibility. <clears throat> so to fight the wolf of wokeism, we talk the talk and we walk the walk. I think too many times we have allowed the pressures and the business of life to crowd out opportunities to sit with our children. The dinner table doesn't happen much anymore, but it needs to. You need to sit down every evening with those kids. Don't just say, how was school? But listen to them talk, and they will talk. And they will tell you what influences they have. They'll tell you what they heard. They'll tell you what they're struggling with if you make time for them to talk. And when they talk, then we remind them that everything filters through God's Word. Look at Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 9. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them down on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Moses is saying 24-7, put the word of God into their hearts and into their life. That is our responsibility, parents. Now I'm going to ruffle feathers. It's not the church's responsibility. You give us those kids for an hour or two a week and you expect us to make them that godly, good little person? Forget it. You're going to run them if you don't constantly... Put the word of God in their hearts and in their lives. 
Second way we fight wokeism is we center all of our conversations with our children through a biblical worldview. I spent two weeks on the biblical worldview. I'm not going to rehash all of that. But we have to understand we have to live life, explain life, proclaim life, direct life through a biblical worldview. And if we don't, our kids are going to be caught by the wolf of wokeism. I mean, they hear things in class. They hear classmates say, I'm gay. They have classmates say, I'm a guy, but identify as a girl. Their classmates make the most ridiculous statements because it's from their home setting. These things are being allowed to be embraced. But if you listen and you ask the right questions, then you can filter all of that through a biblical worldview. And we do that by reminding us of our identity in Jesus Christ. See, in Christ, he made me the way I am. God made no mistakes when I was created and formed, nor you. We have got to understand a biblical worldview is the sieve or the sieve that we pour everything through. Our identity in Christ blows away every aspect of wokeism. If you begin to think and talk the thoughts of the Bible and a biblical worldview, everything's going to fall in line. Because the first thing wokeism is going to tell you, it's all about emotions. Emotion, emotion, emotion. Well, we all have emotions. The question is, how do we process those emotions? How do we deal with those emotions? Someone said, well, my daughter is just a drama queen. I'm thinking, let me spend 10 minutes in your house and I'll tell you the source of that. Because we model behavior. We model behavior. Or what I feel is the truth is truth. So we have to filter that through the truth of God's word to bring them to biblical truth and a biblical world world perspective. So when our kids get emotional, you don't let them cap out in that emotion. If they need to express it, let them express it. But you remind them emotions do not define you and they do not drive you. There is a greater truth, a greater power that leads your life. And then you teach them to separate emotions from truth. Because emotions often are not true. Nobody loves me. I have no friends. I'm not smart enough for this class. I don't understand why Johnny thinks he's a girl. And on and on we can go. Do you realize that today... High school, college kids are having to deal with men who think they're women in their locker rooms and competing in athletics. My goodness, Title IX just died an early grave. What was fought for so hard by the feminists died. You know, this is what blows me away. Why do we give up something that was so hardly fought for? And then we allow a six-foot-four man to win an NCAA swimming championship and be named by ESPN as the woman of the year. How ludicrous. How ludicrous. I'm not going to go down that road any further. You understand. 
But we live in a culture where sin is celebrated, where right is wrong and wrong is right, where we have to be diverse, where we have to be open-minded. Listen to me, friend. You need a biblical worldview that filters every thought and every emotion through, and that will bring your children to a good, solid life in Jesus Christ. When a child goes off the ranch, you know what I mean? They rebel. They turn their back on you, on God, on everything you've taught them. When a child goes off the ranch, listen to me, parents. You can't change your conviction based on your child's choices. You cannot do it. Because if you do, you know what you're saying to them? Oh, I was right all along, and they were wrong. When we change our convictions based on our children's choices, we're saying to them, we were wrong all along. There's no truth to any of it. It's all a lie. We don't applaud their behavior, but we do love them. We don't celebrate what they've embraced, but we do love them. And we pray for them, and we pray that the grace of God and the love of God shining through us will somehow turn them around and bring them back to him. Train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he'll not depart from it. I've seen that happen time and time and time again. Sometimes it's really old before that happens. But we pray that they come back to God. We never change our convictions based on our child's choices. Never. We stick to a biblical worldview. We pray that they will see the love of God in us and through us and see that living and loving God really is the best way of life. This whole lie that's promoted through wokeism about gender identity and gender dysphoria is destroying lives every single day. People are finding that it didn't make me happy to, uh, to uh, what's the word, I've just lost it. It didn't make me happy to change my gender, to be in transition. It made me hopeless. Because what I thought would make me happy did not make me happy. Now I'm depressed. Oh, come on, folks, there is a better way, and that better way is living life with the world, biblical worldview. So, lastly, we have to engage culture at every turn. Christian parents do not sit on the sideline. They engage culture. They talk about it. They confront it. They fight it. That goes from the federal level right down to the local level. What the kids are learning in school understanding their curriculum, talking to their teachers. All those things are a part of shepherding little lambs. But we've been tricked into thinking that, well, I did four years or five years with them. I got them through the toddlers, and now I'm going to give them to the school, and they'll do everything else. And when I give them to the school, then they have no right, I have no right, pardon me, to go into that school and see what's going on. It's kind of like, if I had a million dollars, and I don't, I wish I did, but I don't. And I went down to the bank to deposit it. And then they said to me, yeah, we'll take your money, but you can't come into this bank lobby. You can't ask us how your money is doing. You can never withdraw it from us. It's our money now. Do you think I'm going to put my money in that bank? Absolutely not. 
Those folks are crazy. Listen, we need to be that kind of parents where we say, if they're not performing, if they're not accountable, if they're not doing what we ask them to do, we pull them out. Come on, folks, I know that can be hard at times, but it's what has to be done. Don't just drop your kids off at school and believe they're going to be better because of it. You need to know what library books they're reading. You need to know the statements that they're hearing, the conversations they're a part of. You need to engage. We need to engage our Board of Education. I am so thrilled that Dr. Davis is now sitting on the State Board of Education, bringing reason and clarity to that body. But listen, if you have a kid in public school, go to the board meetings, confront them, engage the culture. You say, well, I'm too shy. Well, then call me. I'll go with you. My shy bone died a long time ago. If I can't go, I assure you the blonde will go and she's a little more vicious than I am. She just looks sweet. We'll go with you. We'll fight those battles with you. Say, well, my kid goes to a Christian school. So what? Some, quote, Christian schools are more woke than the public schools. Know what they're learning. Know what they're reading. Know what they're being exposed to. I'll never forget when Katie youngest daughter, was in first grade. We had some people in the church that were, some kids in the church that were homeschooled. And she said to me one day, Dad, I want you to homeschool me. I said, really? I don't think that would work well, Katie. No, Dad, this is the way it would work. We would get up and have breakfast and then go to your office. And you'd work for a couple hours and then we'd go to lunch. And then we'd come back about 1.30 and I'd take a short nap. And then from about 2 to 5, you could homeschool me. I said, that's never going to work. Never going to work. You know why? Because after a few days, you would hate me and I would probably hate you. Not going to work. But I thought about that. Man, what if I had a Dow Elementary? Man, the basketball team, they could probably take Kansas by two points. I'm just kidding. Let's move on, you say. Let's move on. We need to be aware of what their child is intaking and the, the things we're exposed to each and every day. Stand tall. Be engaged in culture. Don't be tricked into believing that you have no right to know what's happening in your child's life because they walk through the doors of an educational institution. I'm going to close this. I've done a lot of research through the years on sheep. I never raised sheep. We never had sheep. I don't like sheep. They stink. They smell. They wander around by themselves. You can't herd sheep. You have to lead sheep. I, I just, I've just never liked sheep, ever. Matter of fact, the high school I went to, we had a bunch of guys in FFA, Future Farmers of America, and not one of us had sheep. We all had cattle. We liked cattle. We understood cattle. We could drive cattle. We could work cattle, but sheep? We didn't even want to get close to them. They smell so bad. And so this last week I thought, I wonder what are the defense mechanisms of the sheep? So I looked it up. Number one, they have great eyesight. Number two, they have keen hearing. And number three, they have a great sense of smell. So much so that they can detect a wolf or a predator 1,500 yards away from them. 
And you know what they do when that wolf or that predator gets close? They don't spread and scatter, but they gather. They come into a herd for protection. So the wolf can't single one of them out. Folks, I'm telling you today, it's time to come into a herd and gather. To understand there is protection through the body of Christ and the word of God. <clears throat> we need to lead those little lambs into the greatness God has already destined them for. But it will never happen, never happen, if we aren't parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles, teachers that are sowing good things into their heart and into their life. Stand with me this morning. First thing I want to do is anyone that's under the age of 25, I want you to come and stand across the front and face that way. Under the age of 25, come right now. I would love to say that's me. Come on, guys, spread out. Don't, don't gather over there in the dark. Come on over here in the center. Right all the way across. Slide down, Jaden. Under the age of 25, slide down some more. Make room for everybody. Anyone else? Under the age of 25. If you have babies, bring your babies. Yeah. Anyone else? There's a few more still coming. Thank you, Juliana, for bringing Emma Jean. I love that. Under the age of 25. All right, I want you to look around. These are our sheep. These are the children and teens and young adults that we have a responsibility to direct, to discipline, and to guide. It's our responsibility. It's my responsibility because I'm their pastor. And I love them. I protect them fiercely at every opportunity. It's your responsibility because some of you are parents, some of you are grandparents, some of you are student leaders and teachers, some of you are teachers in their schools, some of you are their doctors, their advisors. It's your responsibility too. So next, if you're a parent of any one of these young people, I want you to step out and stand in front of them, facing them. Parents of these young people, come on, don't wait. This isn't hard, you know if you're a parent of one of these kids. Step out and come, parent. Stand in front of that child, that teen, that young adult. Second, if you're a grandparent to any one of these, step out and come right now. Grandparents. Yvonne and I claim them all. If you're a teacher or you have influence over either one of these, any one of these children, these kids, these teens, step out and come. If you have influence in their lives, step out and come.
Now today, I'm not praying for the kids, I'm praying for you. For parents, grandparents, teachers, aunts, uncles, people that have influence in their lives, I'm praying for you today. Those of you standing, would you stretch your hand out this way and let me look right quick. Yvonne, would you come stand in front of this little, this little girl in yellow? Yeah. I want to make sure that every student has someone in front of them. Anna and Cal, would you come right over here? There's several that are grouped together. Eric, would you come right down here? All right, stretch your hands out. Father, I lift these parents before you today. Maybe they're a single mom or a dad. Maybe they're a blended family. Maybe they're a nuclear family. But right now, I just ask that you, Father, in Jesus' name, would impart to each one of these influencers, these parents, grandparents, educators, Holy Ghost power and strength into their lives. I pray that you give them endurance because children will wear us out. I pray for discernment. I pray for a biblical worldview to fill each one of these individuals. And I pray that each one of them every day would ask for wisdom. Because when we ask, God gives. And I pray that from today forward, there will be times made in these homes where they sit at the dinner table or they turn off the television and just have conversations. Learn about life. Hear what's happening in the school, in the workplace for those who are already working. And that through those conversations, everything would be filtered through a biblical worldview. Everything. So that they are trained, they are taught, they are discipled in the ways of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And now I pray for every one of these young people. I pray, Father, that you would help them to be tender and submissive. I bind the root of rebellion that drives so many. And I speak peace into their lives. Peace into their hearts. Peace into their homes. They will no longer be disruptors. They will be disciples. They will hear and heed and understand and walk in the Word of God and the will of God. And Father, I pray for parents, children, grandchildren, all alike, that you would drive from their minds the wolf the Lord desires to devour. He may come in sheep's clothing, but inwardly, 
He's a raving wolf. Drive him from their lives in Jesus' name. Do your great works and your good works in each one of these here this morning. And let the word of God permeate and settle deep within our hearts. In the name of Jesus. Parents, grandparents, just give them a hug. Tell them you love them. Tell them you're so glad you're a part of your life. Encourage them today. Let them know that you're so thankful during this service. One more time. That's not enough. Come on. Show them some love. Show them some love, would you? Give them a big hug. Look them in the eye. Tell them how wonderful they are. How valuable they are to you, to the kingdom of God. Just express it. I'm going to wrap this series up in two weeks. November the 19th will be the last message. People are saying, oh wow, thank goodness. Or oh my, keep going. But we have to find an end point. That end point's going to be in two weeks from today. Next Sunday is Veterans Sunday here at All Nations. We're going to be honoring all of our veterans. We have a very, very special speaker lined up. Invite every person you know who has served in the armed forces of the United States of America to come and be a part of this service. It will not be embarrassing. We will honor them this next Sunday morning. God bless you, Yvonne, and I love you. May the peace and the power and the presence of God accompany your steps today. God bless you. You made it to the end of the message, and now what? Is God leading you to make a change? Are you needing a good church home where you can grow and help others grow as you fulfill your part in the body of Christ? Then we invite you to join us at All Nations Church on Sharer Road in Tallahassee a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. Our Sunday morning service is at 10.30 and Wednesday night service at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For more information, visit our website, allnationstallahassee.com.